fucking hell. Sorry, that was a pigeon that flew into the window. Scared the shit out of me. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome back. You're listening to us again. It's us. It's me and Henry. How are you doing, Henry? I'm very well, thanks, Rich. Um, yeah, life is treating me well. The sun is shining. Good. I have water in my hands. No beer this time. Look at that. It's 5pm. It's 5pm on a Thursday. I, I know. I, the problem is I had a little bit too much to drink last night, so um, I'm rehydrating oh, nice. before uh, before maybe having something a little bit stronger later on. Were you at the pub or at home? I went to an actual real pub. Nice. It was nice. amazing. It was kind of... There are other human beings who I actually saw in reality. I didn't have to uh, look at a screen to see other humans. It's quite cool. That does sound enjoyable. Have you been out much recently? Actually, I met my cousin for a wander around Ashton Gate, which is, I'd forgotten how lovely it is to get up into that because it feels like you're miles out in the middle of nowhere and then you kind of come over the hill and you realise that there's just Bristol right there. You've got a view across the whole thing. It's, it's lovely. Nice. Nice. But yeah, there's a pub called the Ashton, which is on the edge near the gatehouse and... They were serving lunch and there weren't very many people there. So we just got an open table outside because outside is good at the moment. And it was lovely and the food was great. And then we got the bill and we'd forgotten that, of course, the government is giving you half price on food at various random places. So the two of us for lunch, proper meals, not sandwiches, cost £13. Oh, wow. Thank you, taxpayer. Oh, yeah, that's that's us. Yeah, oh, well. yeah. <laughs> Great. Anyway, let's crack on. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's your it's your choice. It's your choice this week. So I didn't even know who we were doing for this podcast until about 45 minutes ago, but then I had a listen and was like, oh, oh, him. Okay, okay, I got it. So who are we listening to? Who are we talking about? We're going to be listening to Sam Cook. Now, a lot of people might not know the name. Some people will know the name because he's a bit of a legend in his own time, but he existed in a period before we were born. So he was born in 1931. Mm-hmm. Died in 64, age 33. Wow. Um, just a little, you know, as a biography of the guy, some people say he was the inventor of soul music. Some people say he's got the best voice ever in, in musical history. He's He invented, he started up his own record label, um, and then he was killed age 33. So this guy has a really interesting story. He was killed or he died? He was shot. Oh wow! So That's we can sad. we can come onto this, okay? But there's there's a huge amount of interesting information about this guy, and I think people should know more about him. So. That's where we're going. Yeah, and to be fair, that was my reaction was when you put the name Sam Cook on a WhatsApp Cook C O O K E. I immediately assumed late nineties white singer songwriter pinged him up on Spotify and went, oh, like 1950s, 1960s soul, and then went and had a list and was like, oh, this guy. So he's very recognisable, but the name recognition is not there for this guy either. Funny, isn't it? So when I mentioned about the best voices, I think Rolling Stone did a poll and he came out fourth um, of the best voice behind Aretha Franklin and like James Brown I think but for me he he's the best I love his voice so much and it probably stems from when I first found out about him which was when I was probably about nine or ten mm-hmm. and I came across him in a movie called Inner Space 
Do you know the movie? I love Inner Space. It's <laughs> okay. a great film. <laughs> so, Twisting the Night. That's the song on the movie, right? That's right. Uh, there's two songs. There's Twisting the Night Away and there's Cupid as well. So those two okay. songs crop up on, in, in the film. So, Oh my God, Inner Space is amazing. I was talking about Inner Space with someone the other day and I cannot remember why now. And I sort of want to dive off on a tangent, but I know you've got lots to say about Sam Cooke, so let's not do that. Well, let, let's kind of just because this is just so awesome. So, so to to put in a space in a nutshell, it's kind of pseudo Top Gun pilot Dennis Quaid ends up on a secret miniaturization technology project in which they try and shrink stuff. Quaid ends up being shrunk as part of the planned experiment, but bad guys turn up. Quaid, for whatever reason, gets injected into Martin Short in miniature who's a kind of hypochondriac grocery guy. He gets injected into him because one of the bad guys in an equally miniaturised craft is also inside him and threatening to kill him. So he goes in to try and kill the bad guy, I think is the plot line. I'm digging through like 15-year-old memory here. Yeah, there's there's a kind of... There's basically kind of chasing... A chase scene, but inside someone's body. Anyway, cue all sorts of Martin Short, the weedy guy being turned into a hero because Dennis Quaid's talking in his ear all the time because he's put a microphone in his ear. It's bonkers, but it's brilliant. I think the word shenanigans sums it up quite nicely as a film. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, this film has all sorts of... um, It's got a fun soundtrack, but Sam Cooke features quite a lot in it. And and his music's so evocative that when I heard it for the first time, I just thought, who is this guy? This is a wonderful stuff. The final scene... (laughs) They, they redo Twisting the Night Away, but Rod Stewart covers it in the final scene. And it's like, <laughs> you idiots, you've got the rights for Twisting the Night Away during the movie. So play it again, but they end up using the Rod Stewart version. So I fell in love with that, and, I, and that's how I knew about him, to the point where when I got married nine-odd years ago... God, the band, long ago. Yeah, the, the band came up to me and they said, what kind of stuff do you want us to play? And I said, you know what? Just play Sam Cooke all night. Just do that and I'll be happy. And these guys just laughed, and they're like, that's cool, we can do that. And, and But they said, okay, well, there are other guests there, but we won't. So, <laughs> Your wife stepped in and had words, I assume, as well. Yeah, um, although she loves some <laughs> Sam Cooke songs as well, so she, she's, she is also a fan. But yeah, so that's how I came to come across him. Awesome. Yeah, that's... I suspect probably the same for me, except that I somehow didn't get hooked into listening to him particularly. I, I love Twisting the Night Away. It's an absolutely wonderful song. Um, and listening to some of his other stuff, he's definitely got a sound. There's something about vocals from people like him who have those incredible voices combined with analog recording and the microphones that they used back then that is, it's not as hi-fi as what you have now. But the sound is incredible. It's almost like treacle. It, yeah, I, I don't. I think it's the recording equipment. Maybe I don't think voices have changed so much. It's brilliant. It's absolutely some of the sounds that you get listening to him um, are unbelievable. And maybe not so much on wincing the. Well, I said wincing the night away. Wincing the night away <laughs> by the Shins is a Shins album. They named their album after Twisting the Night Away because nice. of Sam Cooke. Um, but yeah, back to the voices. I, I there are loads of talented singers out there who just don't seem to have that same kind of depth to their voice. But anyway, 
Yeah, I agree. And it, but I'm thinking of you said Aretha Franklin. I immediately think Otis Redding when I think of this era and that kind of voice. There's yeah. a number of them then, and I I can't think of anyone. I can think of plenty of iconic voices from the more modern music that we listen to. You know, people like Tom York and Matt Bellamy and and others like that, where you instantly recognise the voice, but it, it's not recognisable for that type of sound. It's recognisable because of it's being very distinctive. Yeah. So for whatever reason, um, if you don't know his voice, go and listen. But let's go back to Sam Cooke, the man. Let's mm-hmm. fly through yes. his life and career. So he he grew up in, well, he was born in Mississippi and his, his dad was a reverend and moved his whole family to Chicago. So Mississippi was deep south, mega segregated. And I think his, his father just thought this is not the place to be growing a family up. So moved to Chicago Cook starts singing in a in in choirs. There's so many black voices from that 50s and 60s soul Motown era that start that way. Exactly, and he was in this band called the Soul Stirrers, and from there he started to get noticed. And they were just a your average band, but they were always focused on gospel music. And mm-hmm. he was approached by some record companies, and they said, "Do you want to do some pop stuff? Do you want to get into the industry?" into kind of secular music and and just start getting into the charts and he was super worried about this because he was worried that his his father would think ill of him to do it but yeah he he did and he recorded under a pseudonym for his his first album but it was kind of pointless because everyone knew who he was straight away they're like oh that's sam cook <laughs> he's like it's not this guy <laughs> it's, to- it's totally him so that totally crashed and burned but from that point he basically said all right in and in 1957 i think it was he signed with a record label and his career just took off and he started doing popular covers and then started writing his own music. Well, it's an interesting era for that kind of thing as well because you think now like covers bands as we see them are very much for weddings and pub bands and that kind of thing. But if you go back to the 50s and the 60s, you would have people writing these songs and five or six different artists all very famous would all release their version of it and you would get you know multiple versions of that song being out there and it was sort of not frowned upon people just did it totally so you mentioned Otis Redding he recorded a version of Cupid which is one of Cook's songs and Mm -hmm. and you'd look at Otis Redding and go well he's an absolute stone cold legend and right but he was totally cool recording stuff like this so you're right it was a different era and I don't know maybe it's because the record labels had way more power so they could put different artists under that label and say you record this song and and off they go or whether it's whether it was just you know you wanted to hear a song on the radio and someone else could cover it maybe we should do a bit of a dig at some point and look at that because it's something that we don't see now and i'd say that record labels in the 80s and 90s had that much power but you didn't see i mean you'd see pop acts taking a song that someone had written and recording it and releasing it but it it would generally be one act that would do that you wouldn't see multiple different acts doing that i wonder whether it was partly just down to the fact that things were less set up in a very strict and controlled and copyright is copyright wasn't really a thing in the 50s and 60s it just wasn't true you know people got songwriting credits and they got paid royalties off the back of it but they definitely didn't get any level of this is my thing and I get paid all the royalties that sort of started to happen in the like the late 60s and early 70s where you'd get 
the Beatles and people like that had much more control over getting royalties for the stuff that they had written specifically. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, who, who knows on that one? But anyway, he did very well out of it. And then into the 60s, he started producing his own music. So Twisting the Night Away, which is the album that I, I picked, although really you can pick any of them. That's the... <laughs> I didn't even ask you that at the start of the podcast. Yeah, well, the, the, <laughs> the trouble is his, his style varies quite a lot. So Twisting the Night Away, the album, was capitalizing on the really popular movement of the time which was the the twist and so he mm-hmm. released this album as a kind of all right i can totally do that and did it brilliantly but then his later albums are much more bluesy and much more lo-fi and we're talking early 60s for that album early 60s yeah this it was 62 that he released twisting the night away in. And, and at that point he was on the billboard charts all the time he was becoming big and this is where the sam cook story kind of turns basically the guy's super smart and he's I think at the time he realised that he could go beyond just working for the man and going up to the record label and then just taking a cut of everything so so he started his his own label mm-hmm. and he started his own publishing company as well the whole point of it was to get black artists known and yep. make sure they didn't get kind of screwed over by these big companies it's amazing Black Lives Mattered back then but it's amazing how little some of American culture has moved on. Well, I, I mean, the further we go into this podcast, the more it becomes relevant. But but yeah, he, he started trying to set up all this stuff himself. So the guy that tried to get him to set it, set it up was called Alan Klein. Now, if you're a big Beatles or Stones fan, you'll know Alan Klein was their producer. At the time, Klein was scraping around looking for acts to take on and he took Cook on and helped him and he was Cook's accountant and said let's set up this thing for you what he actually did was screwed Cook over and in the contract he changed the paperwork so that he was the owner of the record label and wow. Cook was the was an employee of his now Cook didn't know this Cook thought it was his label and Klein never said anything so for a couple of years Cook was going around saying I've got this label come and work for me when actually Klein in, t- in the background and his hands on it. Fuck, that's brutal. Yeah, and and there are similar stories of him when he was working with the Beatles and with the Stones as well, and there's all sorts of stuff we could go into about Klein. He basically is a complete snake. Right, massive bellend. Massive bellend. <laughs> but yeah, and so... God, people like that, they just ruin it for everyone else, don't they? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So you've got Cook, who's starting to make it big, but at the same time, he's still running into all the brick walls that you did in in 60s America, if you're a black guy. Mm-hmm. He started getting into um, the civil rights movement. So he knew Muhammad Ali, who introduced mm-hmm. him to Malcolm X. And the FBI started following him because they were worried, you know, who is this guy? Because he's already being played in all the living rooms of America. People love him. Yeah. And then they were starting to think, well, is this a problem? Well, in the same way that almost every big name associated with that civil rights movement was being tailed by the FBI and and sort of low-key intimidation, not anything that you could ever pin on them, but that, that level of harassment to try and just, just tone things down a bit from the government's perspective yeah. so that they didn't have to worry about, you know, giving people rights. Exactly. <laughs> and th- this culminated in, in 63 with probably his most powerful work, which is A Change Is Gonna Come. It's an incredible piece of music. The inspiration to this was that he and a bunch of friends 
tried to go to a motel in Louisiana and the motel was a whites only motel and he just thought we need the place to stay we're just going to go in and, and ask to stay mm-hmm. the hotel basically said fully booked sorry don't get who you are get out so they kicked him out but then they also phoned the police and the police arrested Cook and, and his friends wow now total ruckus kicked off because Sam Cook was obviously a pretty famous guy at that point and yeah, and so the, the the mayor of the city gave him the keys to the city as an apology. And it's like, well, okay, are you going to give the keys to the city to every other black guy that gets turned away from a motel and then gets arrested by mistake? Also, if I'm him, I don't <laughs> want the keys to the city. I just want a fucking hotel room key. I just want to stay <laughs> yeah. somewhere and not be harassed and not be told I can't stay because of the colour of my skin. Exactly. So he, he yeah. wrote this song. And um, he also said he was inspired by Dylan because Dylan wrote Blown in the Wind. Mm-hmm. And he said, hang on a second, How there's a there's a white guy writing protest songs like this surely i can do my bit as well so and cook trumps dylan on this if you've not heard the song it's an absolute it's a masterpiece it's got hope it's got urgency it's got this sadness all the way through it and he's recorded it with this full-blown orchestra so there's there's strings Mm -hmm. and the whole arrangement his idea so he was going to release that and he recorded it i think on the the tonight show where it went out but unfortunately the beatles performed two days later and just so all the talk of the town was to the Beatles and Cook kind of got a bit overshadowed. So he had a change is going to come in the bag and then it got released. And then two weeks later, he was shot and killed. So the guy's vying for TV time with the Beatles and, and then his life's over at 33. So he he was presumably either targeted by one of the white power movements or potentially by the government like did, <laughs> did, did they ever get to the bottom of what happened or is it just conspiracy <laughs> central it's conspiracy central so the truth i think is is pretty benign so he went to a motel with a girl then at some point mm-hmm. in the evening he either tried to force himself on her or she tried to rob him but it ended up with her running out of the hotel room with her clothes and most of his clothes so she legged it he ran out of the room as well, went to the motel desk, I guess, basically kicked down the door and tried to get the manager to tell him where the girl had gone. And he basically assaulted her. She reached behind her desk, picked up a gun, shot him through the heart. So she killed him basically in self-defense. So from that perspective, it's just this sad ending. But at the time, Cook knew that Klein had the record company in Klein's name the FBI were following him and so off the back of that there's all sorts of conspiracy theories which have come out of the woodwork say actually she was a plant and he was murdered and the whole co- the cover story is the hotel manager but I don't know if you if you read up on it the jury's out and, and the worst part is the police didn't care so the police couldn't give a crap they were like where in the country was it uh, it was in Los Angeles so um so it's just a mo- motel there Oh, okay. So that happened, and then um, yeah, he had he had two hundred thousand people turn up at his funeral. That was the scale of wow. of Sam Cooke's kind of, I guess, not really legacy at that point, but his how he had captured the the imagination of the public. And yeah, you just have to listen to a song like "A Change Is Going to Come" to to know this guy's a, just a legend. And it, the thing that I don't quite understand is knowing that backstory and knowing the kind of where he's come from. It just seems like his name isn't that well known, and I don't quite know why. So, yeah, confusing. I guess you could suggest that he was around in a time when there was a lot of 
incredible soul and Motown and all that kind of stuff. And if you died, you wouldn't necessarily have the opportunity to continue to build that legend. Sad story. It is a sad story. And if you look at his other work, he's it's easy to say when an artist dies young that they could have gone on to do so much more. But if you look at what he's done, he moves from genre to genre. He did the twist stuff on Twisting the Night Away. He's mm-hmm. he's done the more bluesy style. There's an album called Nightbeat, which is probably his most critically acclaimed album. Mm-hmm. It's got his strings. It's got this his amazing voice on it. And that one's it's less immediate it's not the kind of thing you'd whack on at a party but it's much more interesting and then and then obviously just um just before he died ain't that good news came out and ain't that good news has got a change is going to come on um but also a load of other just wonderful songs that he wrote Mm -hmm. and yeah uh he kind of he's just left behind this legacy of covers and these occasional brilliant songs all right, so you've already mentioned a number of the best tracks that you consider awesome from him. Are there, are there other tracks that we should be listening to to really get a feel for his his breadth of talent? Yeah, there are. So we've we've done the kind of the, the twist, and we've done the the zenith in terms of the emotional song. There's a a classic. So what a wonderful world. Not the Louis Armstrong one, but <laughs> a song called What a Wonderful World. You probably know it. It's very, very, very famous. There's some brilliant backing singing on this, which just pushes the song forward. Yeah, I'm a massive, massive fan of this. What kind of style is it? It's it's quite laid back soul. Mm-hmm. It's quite a simple song. So a lot of his songs are simple. He doesn't overly complicate the, the chords and the arrangements. So you almost get a kind of, not quite a nursery rhyme effect, but the songs just sit in your head they're proper earworms and yep. he doesn't go off and write complex melodies and weird harmonies it's just straightforward yep. good music which just appeals to a lot of people yeah it feels like sort of a bluesy swing style vibe to it yeah and there's a another song called bring it on home to me which is which is exactly that this kind of slow bluesy lilting song and Again, he's got these cool backing singers that uh, do this kind of yeah thing halfway through the song. And it's just, <laughs> there's this like little call and answer thing going on in the background, which is just that epitome of 60s soul cool. So, nice. Yeah. So, those are the songs I'd recommend. So, with, with Sam Cooke, you need to find the album that fits your mood, as they're all quite different. So, if you like the more upbeat stuff, then yeah just whack on twisting the night away and twist the night away there's an amazing lyric in it in fact in in twisting the night away which you probably know it it says here's a man in evening clothes how he got here i don't know but man you ought to see him go twisting the night away and i love that (laughs) because it's the kind of thing where we've all seen it you've gone to a a nightclub and there's just some complete random in a suit just going nuts and it's like that guy's awesome (laughs) and yeah, and he encapsulates it. In or a wedding. Well, yeah, exactly. So yeah, there's some cool stuff floating around in there. You did you did mention covers as well uh, at the start of the podcast, and one of the covers that we'd that you'd mentioned to me before before the start of the thing is Swing Low. So Swing Low, Sweet Chariot appears on the Swing Low album, which is mm-hmm. a really interesting album in itself because that's the first one that Sam Cooke made on his own record label and think about it this as a businessman sam cook's far more accomplished than most of his peers here okay um some of the songs were covers but chain gang on there is one of his own and what a statement to make he's walked straight into an industry and started up a label and then just has put out 
a big protest song in a way about slavery. Um, what a statement. This was a couple of years before he worked with Klein to get even more autonomy because he wasn't happy with the way he was marketed. But yeah, it's a groundbreaking album. Give that a listen. But yeah, he goes straight out with Swing Low Sweet Chariot, which I assume must have contributed to its popularity over in the UK. I mean, you'd think so at some point. There's something that has brought that into the mainstream and it feels like that's probably one of the places. Cool. So our next question that we always ask is completely defunct. <laughs> yes. Given yeah. given the timelines of when you were born. So in terms of that kind of music, was this one of the first artists that you'd heard in this style? Did it bring you into more of that stuff or was this kind of from other things you'd heard before? Totally the first. And... I've, I've got to be straight with you. I don't really like soul music. I don't really like R&B. It leaves me a bit cold. And so I can't quite work out why I love his music so much. And I think it's got to be his voice. Because mm-hmm. I keep going back to other artists. Um, we've mentioned Otis Redding as well, who, who I enjoy listening to, but not in the way that I'll hear a Sam Cooke song come on the radio and I'll be like, yes, Sam Cooke. And, <laughs> and I'll just love listening to it. Whereas... Whereas the other soul singers, I don't know. I, I can't work it out. I, I think it's just that his voice has hooked me deep down. When I was watching Inner Space mm. and Meg Ryan was falling in love with Dennis Quaid and I was like, yeah, go, go, Dennis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I think at that point, at some, his music just properly latched onto me and I think that's the only reason that, that I like it. So no, that, that I don't Fair really enough. have a, um, a follow-up on that. It's, it's purely a, a, one, a one-man wonder. Although having said that, most of indie and rock is somewhere rooted in soul music. So <laughs> you could argue that it has a huge influence on a lot of the stuff that we listen to, but maybe just not as directly. Well, I mean, you, you listen to Alan Klein, his producer, who managed the Stones and the Beatles. I mean, you, you look at the Stones, they're just a blues outfit. They just, you know, mm-hmm. they toured the Southern States. They learned all their trade from black musicians and then just put it in front of a white audience and everyone loved it so it's the roots to so much and i guess that that i mean you made this point earlier the fact that you you were sad that he wasn't better known but i think this is a broader issue of there's lots of modern music white music and black music all across the spectrum that is based on a lot of that early 20th century u.s black musicians and what they did that really doesn't get credited in the way that that it should well let's be a little part of changing that and um it is <laughs> i mean to. if you look at if you look at all of the so i'm going back to that rolling stones article which kind of tried to list the best voices in mm-hmm. music and yet yeah, definitely the top five were all black artists who've just got stonking voices and so th- there is that understanding that there was so much going on in the 60s that just spawned all of these other artists so there is some recognition there but yeah i i would say we did a straw poll of our friends and said do you know who sam cook is yep i don't think many people would know and again i go back to the point of i was like "Mm, don't know who that is and then i listened to his music and went oh i absolutely know half of these songs on the top 10 spotify most played list so yeah should get more recognition yeah well he's definitely going to get a load more playing from me because one thing this podcast has done is getting me back into all sorts of different music and um and this is definitely way up my list of enjoyable 
artist to listen to. Nice. I'm gonna have to dig into some of some of that back catalogue. I think I'm less interested in the late fifties, early sixties twist stuff and more in the more in the soul and uh and blues. So I'm gonna go and have a dig as well. Do that, because the arrangements in the soul and blues side are, are much more interesting. The twist is a kind of sling it on in the background album and it's I like it. But you're right, there's the the real interesting side of Sam Cook and the real talent comes out in the blues side. Nice. Well, thanks for bringing him to the party. I will look forward to exploring further. Fantastic. As always, you can find us on social media uh, at I Might Be Wrong UK on pretty much all of the platforms, other than TikTok, which is going to be banned from everywhere <laughs> very shortly. So don't worry about that. We're, we're, we're not going to be on there. We're never going to be on there, even if it exists for a while. We won't. We won't no. be on there. Anyway, it's been fun. <laughs> thank you for listening and thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong. 